Our first reading is from Acts 17, verses 1 to 9. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they put Jason and the others on bail and let them go. Our second reading is from 1 Thessalonians 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues, rescues us from the coming wrath. This is God's word. Thanks, Matteo. Well, evening, everyone. Uh, good evening to you if you're at home. Um, and... Um, well, how very exciting to have people in the building to preach to. It's a little less echoey uh, than coming in to record week by week. Uh, and it's also very encouraging to see face masks and all. Eyes still can speak. They can still twinkle. It's uh, lovely to be able to gather. Now, um, obviously, it's limited at the moment. And um, we want to, of course, have the maximum number of people in the building with the maximum safety. 
Uh, and so we're doing all we can. Uh, each and every week is a little bit of an experiment, um, not, only, not least because the uh, regulations seem to little tweak uh, almost every week. But uh, we will get there, no doubt. It's lovely to be able to gather. And uh, I think this is up in case I get overexcited. So uh, all is well and all are protected. Let me lead us in prayer as we turn to this letter of 1 Thessalonians. Our great God and Father, we thank you as we turn to the scriptures, as we turn to your living word, that uh, we read this evening of a church that is going great. It was going so very, very well in the midst of persecution, people becoming Christians and following you. Father, help us understand their situation so uh, we can apply it rightly. Their world is not quite our world. Uh, no one daydreamed in those days quite of gathering with face masks like this. Some in a church building, some watching from home. But Father, yet is the nature of your word that these truths will timelessly apply. And so we ask you to speak and shape us with them this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how do you define a healthy church? One without any COVID symptoms, yes, of course. Uh, but how do you define a spiritually healthy church? Is it, um, uh, in this current season, impressive broadcasts with a Netflix-like quality, in which case we fail? Uh, is a healthy church vast numbers gathered? Well, we demonstrably this evening fail uh, with a small percentage of the church family here. Is it um, a, a church which is uh, trendy and good-looking? Well, who can tell from those gathered in front of me? You may be, you may not be, uh, but you've chosen to veil yourselves, so I would never know. But in simple terms, a healthy church is a church where you can see God at work in the lives of believers. It's a healthy church. You can see that God is at work in the lives of the believers. So we turn to this letter of 1 Thessalonians, which we'll look at over the next, uh, at least try eight weeks or so. And uh, chapter one here is a, a lovely passage because Paul is giving thanks that this young church, fresh church plant, it's going really well. Actually, they're demonstrating lots of marks of really healthy Christian living, many marks of a healthy church. And uh, so we would look at this, particularly three things we'll look at, but they're marks of a healthy church. And you think, yeah, okay, we should aspire to have them. But alongside that, and perhaps this evening more than that, we want to recognize what the marks of a healthy church are, according to uh, 1 Thessalonians 1. But like Paul, where we see it in the lives of our church family, give thanks. And say, so, oh, look, I'm really encouraged. There are lots of signs of God at work in the church family. That's really healthy. God is at work amongst the believers. Now, we had uh, Acts 17 read uh, just as the helpful background. And uh, if you were paying attention, uh, Paul only spent three Sabbaths. So uh, three weeks or um, just short of shy four weeks, I guess it could possibly be, in this city of Thessaloniki, uh, Thessalonica, uh, back then. Not very long to start a church. 
But in that time, as we had read in Acts 17, uh, there was some uh, of the Jews converted. He went to the synagogue and some of the Jews are converted. Some of the God-fearers, so Gentiles who hung around the synagogue, they're converted. But this, we read in Acts 17, produced some jealousy. So a jealous gang went from the synagogue to Jason's house. Whoever Jason is, probably the leading figure or the Christians started to gather at his house. We don't quite know but um, dragged him into the street and uh, Paul and Silas had to slip away in the night um, to, uh, well, for their lives. So in one sense, it's not a great start to a church. And no doubt, Paul, lacking YouTube broadcasts to uh, broadcast into the homes of uh, Thessaloniki, just thought, well, what's happened? There were some conversions, some people became Christians, but but what's happened to this little fledgling church? He sends his right-hand man back, Timothy, and Timothy has returned to Paul and given him news. We read that later on in the letter, chapter 3 and verse 6. You haven't got Bibles, have you? But uh, maybe on your phones, uh, or certainly if you're at home. Chapter 3, verse 6, Timothy has come back to Paul from uh, Thessalonica and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us you always have pleasant memories of us. You long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecutions, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And you get this lovely phrase, chapter 3, verse 8. Now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. It's a lovely phrase. I I didn't know what had happened to the church, but now I know that you're going strong. Now I'm alive. Now I feel life because I'm so excited by what's taken place here. And so he writes this letter back to them. I'm just thrilled with how it's gone. I'm thrilled with everything I hear about what's going on in the church back in Thessalonica. I'm so grateful to God because you're the real deal. And let me highlight three things in particular. Three marks of a genuine, healthy church. And we'll work through them briefly. Their faith was seen in activity. It's the first. Their faith was seen in activity. Their faith accepted suffering. And then their faith was noisy. Okay, those three. Their faith was seen in activity. It accepted suffering and was noisy. Let's work through these three marks then of what a healthy church looks like. First is, their faith was seen in activity, verses 2 to 4. Paul writes, we always, give, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We persistently, he says, give thanks for these three, faith, hope, and love. Familiar trio in in the Bible. But they're not abstract things. They're all demonstrated here. Do you see? Faith works, love labors, hope endures. They're all active things. It's not conceptual. I play the guitar. Do you? Show me. I'm a Christian. Are you? Show me. Where is your activity? Where is your faith? Where is your work? Where is your labor? Paul says, it's really obvious when I look at you. 
And so verse, uh, or I hear news of you, verse three, their faith produces good works. We'll see as we work our way through the letter, they've changed. So they were pretty pagan in their lifestyles, but now they've changed. So for example, chapter four, verse one, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. You've changed. Your, your faith has produced new works in you. It's great. Or their love has prompted them to labor hard. Labor here, it's a, it's a very uh, physical word. It is the exhaustion after a, a running a race. It's the exhaustion after a, a heavy day's work. Uh, years ago when I was a student, I spent one summer working on a building site. I've never slept as well in my life because you spend all day making uh, cement and, and laying bricks and carrying bricks on a hot upper ladder, etc. You're exhausted. You sleep really well. That sort of labor, he says. I think it's interesting. Sometimes people have an idea of, of, of the spiritual person as one who is just lost in contemplation, sort of sits under a tree all day long, says om or something, very quiet, unspiritual to do too much. And Paul says, no, 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 no. A genuine faith is busy. It labors. It exhausts. And I see you doing that. I'm really encouraged. Christians love to work hard for others. Of course, one of the weirdy things about uh, lockdown is it's just much harder to serve other people. How do you serve at church? Well, I don't go to church. Well, I can run food around. I can... But it is... It has been lovely still to see in the bizarre pattern of life that lockdown has brought, or might perhaps not see, but more hear, of how people have labored. In the small things, you know, in, in doing the shopping, in, in taking things round and encouraging, in carrying on meeting on, on, um, online, on Zoom, when it's eight o'clock and you think Zoom, more Zoom, you must be joking. Um, but you think, no, it, it's important. I'll, I'll labor um, at this wretched screen uh, just for another little bit longer. It's been lovely. I mean, some here. Uh, I tell you, I, it's pretty weird when you stand up and you, you know, either in your home as I did or, or here in church and you just deliver a sermon to camera. It is pretty weird. But of course, loads of people have been doing that. All those involved in the kids' work week by week, producing videos for the different age groups. It's been a phenomenal effort. Every, every so often I, I watch the videos that get sent out, not every week, uh, you know, but every so often I, I watch one and you think, oh, look, there they are again dancing manically in front of a camera um, to encourage people, encourage the, uh, the, the toddlers to dance along um, in their kids' time. You must feel a bit of a lemon just dancing to camera and, and doing the actions again for a song and, you know, no one else is there but you. But the labors, the labors that have gone on week by week, which is very encouraging. Their faith produces good works. Their love prompted them to labor. And then they have a hope in Jesus Christ that inspires endurance. It's the third of the three. Your endurance inspired by hope. Perhaps more than any other letter, 
that Paul writes, 1 Thessalonians has a relentless drumbeat of look forward to Jesus' return. I mean, other, pa- other letters have a purple passage or two. 1 Corinthians 15 is fantastic on the return of Jesus and resurrection life. But every chapter of 1 Thessalonians has repeated this little drumbeat in the background. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Just keep going. Just keep going. He's coming back. He's coming back. Every chapter we'll see has some, or really dense, references to that. Keep going. And hope will keep you going. Makes an enormous difference. I read that um, in the UK, uh, just about the most downloaded app during um, uh, lockdown has been from Couch to 5K. Anyone, anyone volunteering to have downloaded from Couch to 5K? Yes, one or two, well done. Um, uh, very popular, because of course the, the, the philosophy being will start you off a bit, a bit of walking, then a little bit of jogging, and then after, what, eight weeks, you'll uh, go from being a couch potato to uh, running 5K in uh, Olympic times, or just running 5K, I think. Uh, so this has been very popular, um, uh, preventing the nation becoming obese uh, during lockdown. But of course, the, it's hard at first. But you keep going because you think, well, it'd be quite nice to be able to run 5K. I, I hope I'll get there. And just the hope that you'll reach there. And lots of other people say, oh, I was a 30-stone ball and uh, I got off my couch and managed to arrive fun, run 5k and you think oh okay there's hope I can do it too hope just keeps you going well lots of us during lockdown have been waiting for stuff you know we thought well it's a bit hard going at the moment but but church will come again um, we will be able to gather in some form and here we are in some form uh, tonight or those who've had weddings postponed. I mean, no doubt you've thought, oh, so fed up with this. But the wedding day will come in some form, with some number, at some date. It will come eventually. So you don't call the whole thing off. And Christians think, oh, sometimes it is quite hard. But Jesus will come. So let's keep going. Let's not call the whole thing off. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Hope. It spurs endurance. Hope is the slow drip of spiritual caffeine into our bloodstream. So we just keep going. We keep going. And it is wonderfully encouraging to see. If you'll forgive me, my, um, my mother became a Christian in her 60s. She's been terminally ill with cancer for a few years now, and now it's getting very hard, and there's a lot of pain. And she keeps going. And she can't get to church, and she can't leave her house. She keeps going. And she says, well, every day I find some things to give thanks to the Lord, and I look forward to being with him. And she keeps going as a Christian. And it's really encouraging It's true for each and everyone here, at home, in our different ways. It's so encouraging when you see people just keeping on going. 
So here's their active faith then, this active trio, a work of faith, their labor of love, their endurance of hope. And that's the first reason that Paul can say, verse 4, look, we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, he's chosen you. We know you're the real deal. We know that you're real brothers and sisters because you're active in your faith. That's the first then. Uh, their faith uh, was seen in activity. Secondly, let's pick up the pace. Their faith accepted suffering, uh, verses uh, 5 to 7. We know that God has chosen you, verse 5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Not three different things, but three overlapping ways of describing the same experience. They heard the gospel, and they didn't just go, well, those are interesting words. They became believers. And here again, becoming a Christian is not mere um, mental acquiescence to certain facts. It's transforming of behavior. So, uh, end of verse 5, you know how we lived among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. That, I think, is pretty striking. You welcomed the message in the midst of suffering with joy. That's what we read about in Acts chapter 17. Imagine you're there in Acts 17 and you hear Paul preach and you think, yeah, I know, I think this is probably true. Maybe I ought to become a Christian. And then you see Jason and others pulled out from his house and beaten in the street and arrested and taken off to prison. And you say, yeah, I definitely want to become a Christian. Well, wow. Not because it seems nice. Not because it'll make my life a little bit better. Because it's true and there's conviction. And in the midst of suffering, you look upon Jason and these other believers being arrested and go, well, could be tough. But I know it's true. Absolutely persuaded that it's true. Amazing, isn't it? Their faith accepted suffering this way. Again, when we're younger, or children or teens, we say, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a dot, dot, dot. I want to be a footballer, I want to be a YouTube star, whatever it is. The Thessalonians, as adults, said, we want to be like Paul. We want to be loved by Jesus. And then we'll endure what comes. There's a model for others, says Paul. You became a model, verse 7 to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Still the case, of course. It's very encouraging when you see that. Remember a, a little while back, uh, a Muslim man named Muhammad uh, was converted out of, of a Muslim background and uh, was coming here in the morning. He was sacked from his job because he had a Muslim employer. He was disowned by his family. I heard this and, and just spoke to him one morning and said, Muhammad, I am so sorry to hear what's happened to you. Asa shrugged and said, well, I, I've read lots of the New Testament now and it seems fairly normal that Christians get given a hard time. So I, I wasn't greatly surprised. I was slightly expecting it, to be honest. I'm all right, he said, with a smile. 
Wow, said I. That's the real deal, if you can respond in that way. Well, the Thessalonians were like that. Their faith accepted suffering. I wasn't surprised. Look, so their faith was active. Their faith accepted suffering. Last thing, verses 8 and 9, their faith was noisy. So what are we told? We're told verse 8. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it because or for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 8, the Lord's message rang out. It's the only place you get this little verb in the New Testament. But in the Greek of the time, it's just a noisy word. It's the word used for trumpets playing, or it's the word they would use for boom. Um, it's that sort of sense to it. It's noisy. See, in lockdown, uh, Carrie, my wife, and I working from home, um, did my stuff, she's you know, calling clients, et cetera, et cetera, on, uh, on Zoom. And uh, our teenage son does a bit of music, so has his Zoom lessons, which is fine, apart from when they're the trumpet and the drums, and you're trying to have professional phone calls and Skype calls with clients and you have to say so sorry so sorry fortunately he's not bad it'd be worse if he was terrible I guess so at least people can be polite and say oh, he seems quite good can you get him to shut up he seems quite good um, but people were sort of moderately polite about it but they are loud instruments and, and Paul here is it's that sort of word it's the trumpet word it's a your faith boomed out Partly, I guess, because they were speaking, but more acutely here, it's because their behavior has changed. Verse 8, the Lord's message rang out. Why? Verse 9, because people are talking about how you've turned from God, excuse me, turned to God from idols. In fact, verses 9 and 10, you get this lovely mini description of becoming a Christian, these three little verbs uh, that come up. They turned. Verse 9, they serve, verse 9, and they wait, verse 10. They turn from idols to God, they serve the living God, and they wait, because we're always looking forward with hope. Now, I guess that's a fairly big deal for them, not easy to turn from idols to the true and living God, Thessalonica. Just up the road is Mount Olympus. Well, that's, that's the home of the gods, Zeus et al., so you're really in classic Greek idol country here. It's quite a big deal to say, not interested in that, not interested in the might of Rome, following Jesus Christ. But you get a set of contrasts here. Because, of course, idols versus the Lord Jesus Christ, idols, they are visible. Jesus is invisible. We're waiting for him. But it's hard sometimes. You want the, uh, the physical, the visible that you can see, not the invisible. But of course, the idols are, verse 9, false and dead, whereas Jesus is true and living. Well, that is very different. And that's why they've turned to him. But their lives have changed. 
and that's what's causing people to talk about them. So three marks. There you go. Three marks of a healthy church. Their faith was uh, active. You could see what they were doing. Prompted them to uh, serve other people. Their faith was active. They accepted suffering. Their faith secondly accepted suffering. And their faith was noisy. People were going, have you seen how they've changed? Have you seen what their lifestyle's like now? It's very different to what it was before. Those three are marks of a healthy church. What do you and I do with them? Two things. First thing is this. We aspire to be this sort of church to have an active faith, to respond to suffering with a forward-looking confidence, to have people talk about us in a good way because our lifestyle has changed for the better. Three marks of a healthy church, we want to aspire to have them, move more in that direction. That'd be the first. But the second thing, and I guess where the burden of this text falls is well, give thanks when you see this. So when at home you have your dinner and chat about this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, or some of us here will wander to the park or shepherd's market, the first thing I think we do after the service is we give thanks. We give thanks for people at church who have encouraged us. We give thanks. We give thanks in prayer. Why not send a message? They'd say, oh, actually, I'm just prompted by tonight. I, I sort of had it in my head. I wanted to do something, and tonight's really prompted me. Thank you. You've, you've really encouraged me over the last few weeks. Send a message. Go old school. Write a card. Crazy. People still do that, you know. It's really nice. But give thanks. Certainly, uh, we worked this out fairly early on, um, well, probably not early on enough, but fairly early on in lockdown at our staff meetings where, I mean, everything's pretty hard. You know, everything's a bit harder. Running church is quite hard work. And you don't see one another, and it's just, mm, mm. So we realized, actually, every staff meeting, we just have to begin, begin by saying, what's encouraged you in the past week? Let's just go around the room. What's encouraged you? What's encouraged you? What's encouraged you? Oh, he had mine. We'll find something else. What's encouraged you? Come on. Got to be more than one thing in a whole week. A person, a thing. What's it been? There was always a lot. We've got all sorts of things wrong with the broadcasts. Of course we have. But um, uh, uh, the features which pop up and what have you learned in lockdown? What have you learned about God? What have you learned in Romans today? Oh, it's, it's good to hear. I'm encouraged that you're, you've encouraged me by just telling me. That you're encouraged to love other people and serve other people. Great. The good things. I don't suppose in lockdown too many of us have endured the sort of suffering Jason did and the Thessalonians. But there has been plenty of active faith in supporting one another. There have been plenty of stories of boomy, noisy faith as... Um, some have been, you know, reading the Bible with friends who are not yet Christians because they're gone then. I, you are a bit different in the way you live. Go on, go on then. Tell me about Jesus. As soon as we leave the building, the sofa, this is what we want to be, a church like the Thessalonians 
And certainly from my perspective, while we are flawed loads, there's lots to give thanks for as well. I am greatly encouraged by much that I've heard, observed in lockdown over the years here. So as we go on our way, give thanks. Give thanks for those who've encouraged you. Let them know. Give thanks to God. Because when you see a healthy church, it's a lovely thing. And it brings great honour to the Lord Jesus. Let me lead us in prayer together. Our great God and Father, we thank you and praise you for uh, preserving for us this letter that Paul sent so we can understand what he felt was a healthy church, what the Apostle Paul got so excited about, what made him live, the fact that these Christians were active in their faith. They were willing to endure suffering. People spoke about them. They, their, their transformed lives caused a fuss, caused a noise. Father, more and more, we pray, would we more and more be like this sort of church, the Thessalonians? And yet also, Father, would this evening be a good one to stop and pause and give thanks for what you've done at work amongst us, that we are brothers and sisters who can testify to you being at work in our lives. So, Father, would you send us on our way this evening, we pray, giving thanks for those who've encouraged us, letting them know for our good, for their good, for the honour of your name. Amen.